Welcome to the Grit and Wit podcast, a show for ambitious female business owners that want to grow irresistible brands. If you're running a business and juggling family commitments and often your sanity, well, you're in the right place. I'm Liz from Elevate and I'm your host. I'll be chatting with inspiring guests who are sharing their stories and practical advice to help you navigate the highs and lows of building a business with grit and wit. Episode number three. Today I'm travelling to Kent to meet with the gorgeous Fleur McCrone from Fine Styling with Fleur. Now Fleur set up her thriving personal stylist business only three years ago. And since then, she has gone on to do great things. She lectures at the London College of Style, having only graduated three years previously. She's a regular fashion expert on QVC, which is live TV, which I think sounds utterly terrifying. She also partners with some incredible fashion houses, such as Paul Costello, Julian MacDonald and Bash Paris. And she has a a growing client base, including lots of high profile and celebrity clients. So I'm going to be picking Fleur's brains on all things style, what we should be looking at to add into our wardrobes for this season. I'm hoping she's going to give me some pointers of some brands that I should be looking at and perhaps where I can get my next pair of jeans. And we're going to be talking about the highs and lows of running her business with grit and wit. Welcome to the podcast, Fleur. It's lovely to be here with you today. Could you just tell us, start off by talking a little bit about your background? So how you ended up becoming a personal stylist? Yeah, of course. So my background actually is that this is a second career for me. It it wasn't the thing that I have been doing all of my life. I went to university and did did something completely different. I actually did a politics degree and worked as a project manager for the first sort of chunk of my career, I suppose. And then when I had my third baby, I kind of took some time out as three under five was was enough to handle at that point. (laughs) I Um, know that feeling. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And I think it was then that I realised that I couldn't or didn't really want to go back to having trying to maintain a job in that sense because my husband works long hours and I felt like I didn't want to be away that much from the children so I started to think about what it was I could do that would be flexible would fit in around the children mm-hmm. so actually the first thing I did was um, become a stylist for a brand called Stella and Dot who yep. are a jewelry and accessories brand and they are um, a social selling platform they aren't actually in the UK anymore. They were here for maybe seven years. Um, and then they've they now just are um, available in America. But in the time that they were here, I worked with them for about five years, just building up a network with them, launching my business, giving myself confidence that I could connect with women and that I could kind of run a business myself, having never done anything like that before. But when that kind of came to an end, I was at a bit of a loose end, didn't really know what it was I wanted to do but I kept coming back to doing something with fashion and style because it's been a lifelong love of mine like since I was a girl I was always in my mum's wardrobe trying on her clothes (laughs) um playing around with her makeup and her jewelry in fact my mum's not massively into fashion so I I didn't have very much to play with but (laughs) I was definitely born with a love for fashion and style and I found out about personal styling and I found a course I could do And I just kept coming back to that and eventually took the leap 
and did got myself qualified and launched my business from there. And how long did it take you to make the decision to actually go and train and to take this sort of seriously? I think I probably, I call it limbo. I was in limbo for a bit where I really was kind of, I was approaching 40 at the time. I kind of knew that I wanted to do something. I kept going around in circles with what it was I was going to do, but knew that I had to do something for myself. I had to set up my own business as that was the only way I could see I would get the flexibility that I needed to be around for my children, but also have something for me. But it was so scary, the thought of launching out on my own and trying to work out what it was I was going to do just took me quite a long time to kind of pluck up the courage, I suppose. So I reckon about 18 months to two years, I was kind of just mulling over the idea, Mm. building up the confidence, trying to work out my route into it. And I think it was once I'd found the course that I knew I could do, and then my husband had kind of said, yeah, you could do it, because we kind of talked about it. Then I was like, I've got to go for this. There's nothing stopping me. And then you have to make an investment at that point, don't you, in yourself, really? Yeah. Which, again, is another hurdle that can feel quite scary initially. Uh, Massively. It's a leap of faith, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the week before the course was due to start, I had a bit of a kind of wobble. Yeah. And I said to my husband, I don't don't know if I want to do this. I don't know (laughs) if I can do it. Like, what if I don't like it? And he was like, we've paid whatever it was (laughs) to do this course and you are going to just put your big girl pants on and you're going to get there and you're going to do it. Like, there's no choice now. So that was the kind of, that got me over that little wobble. Fear, yes. (laughs) And so obviously the sort of flexibility and working around your children and your love of fashion, that's the kind of motivation behind the business. What were your biggest struggles sort of in the early days when you were starting out? So you did your course and that was at the London College of Style. Yeah. What sort of happened next for you? I kind of knew that I needed to get going really, really quickly after the course because I felt that if I didn't, I would just sit and procrastinate and it would get harder and harder and harder to get out there and actually do the, do the job. So I put lots of things in place to start working essentially very quickly. So I actually got my brother to do a website for me, really, really basic really simple. I got a friend of mine to do some branding for me. Again, quite straightforward, quite simple. Neither of those things would have been my ideal sort of launching point. But at the time, I felt that it was more important to just have those basic foundations there. But the, but it was more important for me to get out and do the work and know that I wanted to do it and that it could work and that I could build on it. Mm. I wasn't really prepared to put the investment in to those things at the start until I really realised or felt that there was a future in what it was that I was doing. Mm -hmm. So I wrote stuff on my website very quickly, got that up, got some branding bits together and then spent a lot of my time reaching out to my network to get my first clients so that I could start working. And were your first clients one-to-one clients yeah they were they were fr- they were friends yeah or, or colleagues so I'd sort of throughout my course I'd documented it on social media and I'd kind of made a note of the people that were liking my content the people that were making comments on it those were the people that I kind of reached out to afterwards with an individual email I actually did an offer to start with 
to do a wardrobe edit for £99 and I only did it for five people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just said the first five people to book in if you want wardrobe edit for this amount, which is a real bargain. What um, do you charge for that now? I charge 350 for that now. Okay, so yeah, yeah. So they're getting a good deal. They're getting a really good deal. <laughs> but of course, you know, I was new, so I didn't have as much, I didn't have any experience at that point. So they were taking a bit of a leap of faith with me. But it got me going, and it's a tip that I give to a lot of people. So I lecture now at the London College of Style, back where I trained. I now actually help to train the new stylists coming through. Mm. And one of, that's one of the tips I sort of give them is around you know, reaching out to your network with personalised offers and just not a broad brush email to 100 people, but really just taking the time to say why you've got in contact with that person and why you think it would be really good for them. Would you advocate working for free initially or do you think it's always important that somebody has sort of skin in the game and has paid something for your service? Yeah, I think people should pay something. I do do stuff for free, um, strategic things for my business. We can talk a bit more about that later. But I think certainly when you start out, you're definitely worth some money right from the start. And I think it gives you the boost that people are willing to pay for you, even if it is a slightly better deal. Mm, I agree. So if we can just talk a little bit about how you sort of juggle this, because you said you've got three children. Yeah. How old are your children? So I have a 14-year-old, a 12-year-old and a nine-year-old. And you've been running the business for about three years? Three years, Okay. Yeah. So how many hours would you say you sort of typically work in a week? It probably varies. It varies <laughs> massively, yeah. I mean, they're, every week's different. Mm-hmm. I actually really love that about the job. Certain times a year are quieter than others, just due to the nature of fashion and the cyclical kind of trends and seasons. But typically I'm probably working working face-to-face with clients two or three times a week on a regular basis. And then I have, I try and keep two days a week free to work on the business behind the scenes mm-hmm. and keep up to date with all the admin. Because of course you wear many hats when you run your own business and it's just you. But I work every day. I do work weekends sometimes if I need to. I often spend a bit of time at the weekends catching up on some admin as well. Do you have any support? Do you employ anybody in the business? I have a VA that I use to do certain things for me, which is really helpful. And she's always there if I need. And is that something that's happened more recently? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, something's more recently. And what sort of support do you get from her? So she helps me with my newsletters. Mm -hmm. And then also I do a weekly style queen. Yeah. which is a blog post where I post up my 12 favourite new in items each week. I send her the links and she creates the blog post. I see. Yeah, so I literally, so all I'm doing is putting, finding the links and sending her an email with the links in. Okay. Because I just felt that if I was to do something, if I was to commit to doing something on a weekly basis, it had to be as sustainable as possible. Yes. And, you know, where I li- literally just look for the, for the items and then send them across. So that's yeah. why that works. And do you have additional support like accountancy and that kind of stuff? You're not doing your own books? and um, I am doing my own books. It's very simple. <laughs> I just have a spreadsheet where I monitor what's coming in and what's going out. And I do it. I keep it up to date. Yep. So I just do it every few weeks. I'll put in all my expenses, all my train tickets, all my kind of receipts that I've got for everything and I just keep it all together my husband's a trained accountant so he 
he reluctantly helps me. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't really, nobody likes tax. Um, but we do do, he does help me with my tax return. That's very handy. Yeah. <laughs> Saving yeah. you if hundreds of pounds a year. If there's an accountant <laughs> listening to this who can find a way that I can put some of the clothing that I buy un- under the business, because you can't actually, which is ridiculous because as a stylist, you're buying things for workshops and for styling and for shoots and stuff like that. But as it stands, as far as I'm aware, you have to have, it has to be like a logoed Oh, is that right? uniform? Okay. So if anybody's out there and they know how I can do that, <laughs> yes. let me know. Hopefully somebody can help. <laughs> and so your husband, you, you said he's he's working. And do you sort of split childcare or are you sort of the primary carer still? Yeah, I'm the primary carer. Yeah. And presumably your children are a bit older so they can do more of kind of getting themselves to school. Yeah. And that juggle is not as difficult as it is when they're younger it's not definitely not that it helps to be able to that my eldest two can get home from school and be at home for a bit on their own yeah my younger one is easier to kind of manage he goes to after school club a couple of times a week I also have an amazing um well my mum's brilliant she helps me out a lot but I also have a girl who lives down the road who is really helpful like she's become a sort of part of the family mm-hmm. um the kids love her and she's willing to kind of fill in the odd hour or two like if I just need my son picking up she'll pick him up and walk him home that's so helpful <laughs> it's so hel- I can't yes, tell you and we yeah. love her to bits because she's she she allows me to she's my part of my support network yeah. and without her and my mum I couldn't do what I do. Mm. And could you imagine doing the job that you do now when your children were younger? Or do you think it is something that you need to have school-aged children to be able to do? Yeah, I mean, you just end up paying for more childcare if your kids are younger. Because, you know, I'm in London a lot doing things, working with clients, shopping. I'm out at wardrobe edits. Like, you need a school day, but then you need a bit more as well. Which is why I sort of try and do those face-to-face client days when I've got my son in off school care. My mum comes up every Friday and picks up the kids, which is brilliant because it means I can stay in London for a bit longer. Mm. So I tend to try and just book in clients on those days. But if I didn't have them at school or I had to nursery pick up at midday or they were hanging around when I was trying to do my day, you know, my admin, then it would be a lot harder for sure. Yeah, you, you would just need to invest more in childcare, I think. And what do you do sort of, how do you work your business around the school holidays typically? I don't do as much work. In fact, it's quite a good way to keep me, to give me the break as well. (laughs) You're a workaholic. Yeah, well, (laughs) you know, I kind of, what I do is intense. Like when you're with somebody, you give, I give everything to them. And it's often quite an emotional, emotionally charged sort of session like working with people to give them a boost in their self-esteem and their confidence through clothes is more than just the item of clothing that you're picking up from the store it's a you know helping that person to see a different version of themselves which mm. you know you, you, it takes a lot of energy and there's a massive reward at the end of it I love the reward I get from the job that I do but it's intense and it does take a lot out of you so actually having those half terms or those school holidays forces me to do less in that time and then spend some time with my kids. So I do, having said that, I just work the whole of the half term. (laughs) When things come up, like the odd day, I'll get my mum to help me out or I'll sort something out. So it's not, I couldn't not 
have all of the holidays off. I have to work some of the holidays, but it's much, much less than I would normally do. And if you take holiday and you're going on holiday, for instance, are you quite strict with yourself around sort of boundaries around tech and not being on Instagram and stuff like that? Or are you, is that part of your business that you can't step away from it? I actually quite enjoy Instagram, so I don't mind sort of still posting on that. Sometimes I need a break from that and I'll just have a few days where I'm just like nothing tech free free. (laughs) I think everybody gets to that point and I and I do I will answer emails if I'm away with for clients like I think it's so important to have that customer service that's what builds the relationship with your clients so if somebody if a job comes in when I'm on holiday somebody says they'd like to book me for styling I'm not going to not respond and make them wait two weeks by which time they've found somebody else yeah to style them I'll respond it doesn't take two minutes to respond to somebody and book somebody in so Mm -hmm. um but quite often the times when I'm on holiday my clients are on holiday and other people are on holiday so it's normally around sort of Christmas time and in in August those are the quiet times so who sort of typically is your ideal customer like which what kind of ladies do you tend to work with I work with men and women well men as well yeah sorry that was me being sexist there um (laughs) accidental sexism (laughs) (laughs) well it was. It seemed it would be daft for me not to work with men because that's half the population, yes. and men need styling as well as women. And yeah. actually, I really enjoy styling men because it's quite different. Yes. But there's no ideal client to be honest. I think I've worked with such a breadth of people, and I love the challenge of working with different people who have come for different reasons, who have different body shapes, who have different style, who have different budgets. It's all part of the challenge of for me. And I love to kind of style a whole, a whole variety of people. So, but, but, but a lot of my clients tend to be a kind of similar age to me, women who have kind of fallen into a rut with their clothing, typically after having children, not really knowing what their style is post kids, mm-hmm. thinking about launching a business or doing something for themselves and knowing that they have to kind of dress appropriately, but just feeling very overwhelmed about the choice. And it's helping people to really get a grip of who they are and what their style is. That's that's probably the, my core customer. And when you work with somebody, if you could just talk us through a little bit about your sort of services, what you would typically do. I mean, is it best for somebody to kind of start with a wardrobe edit and then you would then take them out and you know, yeah. you'd go and choose things together? Is that the process? Yes. Or? Typically, somebody will start with a wardrobe edit. It's better that they do because if I can see what they've got already in their wardrobe and then I can also tell them what's missing, mm-hmm. then we have a really good foundation to go shopping with. Also, in a wardrobe edit, we do colour analysis and talk about how to work, how to style your body shape at the very start. And mm-hmm. those are the two key style tools that you need to be able to see why something works or why something doesn't work, along with working out what your style actually is. It kind of is a bit of a jigsaw puzzle, but it comes together. I find that interesting because when I'm working with brands, I'm doing a similar thing. And we we work in seasons in the same way that you you work in seasons with your sort of colour colour analysis. Yeah. And I remember we we had a session together, you did a wardrobe edit for me. Yeah. Um and actually I think I was really unwell on the day that that you came round and probably looked totally great because I remember you said to me don't wear any makeup yeah. and we'll stand in some natural light and you use the scarves and you sort of put them over the shoulder. Yeah. And I, I was an autumn colour palette and actually I've sort of tried to stick to that as much as I can and it has really narrowed the choices down for things I go on to 
to buy, which is so helpful when you're walking into a shop and feeling a bit overwhelmed with choice. But yeah, I I think I probably looked quite grey on the day that we did it. (laughs) (laughs) But it was very interesting. And it's interesting to see the crossover with how it works with the brand as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, colour's so powerful in all all manner, all stretches of life. Like you can apply it to so many different scenarios. But it's the one thing that I find so fascinating and it it fascinates me more and more and I never get bored of seeing people's reactions when they have their color analysis done and they see for themselves the actual difference it makes the right and the wrong colors yeah people just don't understand don't can't even imagine what difference it makes and then you see the direct comparison and it's mind-blowing it's a sort of deadening effect it's the wrong season that you're wearing isn't it and then you see somebody they're everything seems to glow and light up more exactly. when they've got the right colour on. And like yeah. you say, it makes have, understanding your colours and also what works for your body shape and then having a much more solid understanding of what your style is allows you to shop with much more focus and much more success. So imagine walking into a shop knowing those things about yourself and picking up an informed selection of clothing you're going to have much more chance in the changing room of that being successful than if you were to walk in and just be completely random in your choices. Mm. It just makes so much sense. It's I feel people are shopping blind if they don't know that about themselves. Absolutely. So I help people to obviously understand those things. And then after a wardrobe edit, a lot of people will then go shopping with me. But you don't have to have a wardrobe edit before you shop. If it's the first time I see you when we shop, then we just have an extra half hour and I do your colour analysis and body shape guidelines before we shop on the day mm-hmm. but those two those are so key that I just ha- I have to know them the client has to know them and it's what informs our shop and how long is a shop how long does that normally three last hours. three hours it's a very efficient three hours people are like amazed what you can do in three hours I plan the whole thing beforehand you can probably go to about three or four shops in that time depending mm-hmm. on how big the shops are and when it's planned when you know where you're going when you know what brands are most likely to work for a client, it's amazing what you can do in the difference. Much more targeted. Much more there? targeted, much mm. more focused and much more enjoyable. Just like stress. I had a client on Saturday and she's just like, this is so stress-free. Like, <laughs> I just don't, like the mental load of going shopping, even just working out where to go in somewhere like Selfridges, massive department store. Where are the jeans? Yeah, it's you have overwhelming, to think, isn't it? Mm. Where are the jeans? I ask somebody, where is it? Where is if you come shopping with a stylist, they know exactly where to go. Not only that, in the vast selection of the denim studio in Selfridges, they'll know exactly what brand to start you off with and what size you might be. It just saves hours. The elimination, yeah. the process of elimination. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we'll maybe talk a little bit about your actual um, sort of work and organisation now, if that's okay. So what would you say is the sort of most productive time of the day? When do you get most done? Um, the thing with what I do is, is I tend to only have snippets of time. I think if I, it's very rare that I'll have a whole day where I can sit down and just work on the business. But I think my in my ideal scenario, it would be first thing, just to get the kids off to school, come back and just get started because then you just get stuck into stuff. Mm-hmm. I always need to have a to-do list. Um, I always keep one running on my phone. So I add to it when I think of something mm-hmm. and I come back to that and plan what I'm going to do. Do you prioritise on a daily basis? Do you kind of go through the list and say, right, today it's these three things that we're going to Kind of, but not as formal as that. No. (laughs) I kind of know what needs to be done. It's a mental prioritisation. Yeah. I find the hardest thing is 
keeping track of all the messages that come in because there's so many different channels. Like, yes. Did they WhatsApp me? Did they email me? Did Messenger, they message me? Instagram, yeah. Did they ring me? Yeah. Like, I often forget, and then I'm trying to find a bit of communication. There's probably a, re- a much easier way of managing all of that, but that, for me, is probably... A big one of the biggest challenges yeah yeah um, and we had a funny thing today didn't we where we'd been messaging on instagram and i got in the car to come over i'm in flair's lovely house at the moment i got in the car to come here and i realized that actually i didn't even have the address so funny <laughs> which is such a schoolgirl error on my part liz was so professional this whole podcast setup like everything <laughs> was so like you know, click on this link here and book in your time and hear all the frequently asked questions. And I was like, wow, she's really put the time into this. And then, and then there's the link, where do you live? Yeah. <laughs> I'm on my way. I'm not sure where. Hilarious. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> do you have a dedicated workspace at home? I do, kind of here where you're sitting. Yeah, we're in um, the kitchen. I actually Lovely. have a desk. That's that's Feinstein HQ around the corner Right, yeah. It's like a hidden desk in our Little kitchen. Kind of cupboard. So that kind of is my official workspace but quite often I'll sit on my kitchen island and just type away a bit more spacious I've got the island to kind of spread out on but this works only when I'm at home on my own obviously because I've got a family here it's much harder chaos (laughs) yeah and do you ever find that you kind of procrastinate because you're at home and there's so many other home things that you could be getting on with like you know the washing and (laughs) you know all of that stuff yeah I hate emptying the dishwasher and doing the washing I find that so dull and boring so actually to do my work is much more appealing but then I then I eventually I have to kind of do it like this morning actually I got back from the school run and I was like right sort out everything just get it tidied up and it took me 10 minutes and I feel so much better when I've done that rather than leaving it so I should probably do that more often just kind of do it whiz just whiz it yeah all it is is putting the breakfast stuff away, wiping the surfaces and putting a wash on. Yeah. But, oh, and I put some clothes away. But that that's kind of, yeah, I have a cleaner who comes in each week. That's brilliant. Yeah. If I didn't have that, I, I Another my husband and I would, would probably argue a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, ha- we pay for that and it saves our marriage. <laughs> and so moving on a little bit to sort of thinking about um, other people running small businesses. Is there any specific ways that you can think of that small businesses could kind of help each other? And have you found other people to be helpful on on your journey as you've been building the business? Yeah, I think just supporting and cheerleading and, you know, even just kind of on social media, liking and commenting on people's posts, because actually that's probably one of the hardest things at the start is putting yourself out there. And a lot of the students that I talk to when I lecture at the London College of Style, you know, they're really scared of that. And understandably so, because you're putting yourself in a vulnerable position. You're putting you and your style and your business out there. And I remember for me, that was quite difficult as well at the start. Like mm. that whole idea of having your photo taken and then putting it up. Because, of course, with personal styling, you are your brand. It's you and how you look and how you dress is quite important. So it's having the kind of confidence to know that that's a good thing. So when you get some support, even just in that way, is really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. I am lucky enough to be really good friends with some of the ladies that I, that I trained with, and they have continued to be my real support network in terms of styling. So we have a little WhatsApp group, and if either, any of us have got 
queries or questions or we've got a particular client and we want to just test out somebody else's brains on what brands might work for them or whatever it is, I know that I can do that and I can, you know, kind of just put ping a message out there and then they'll they'll help me and I'll do the same in return. Mm, very, very helpful. And the college that I trained at have been amazing support. Like they have given me a lot of opportunity and that I've been really grateful for as well. Um, you your QVC appearances yeah. that was down to yeah they had the link they had the, the original link put me forward for it I had to obviously impress at the audition <laughs> but I can't imagine how terrifying that would be to go for an interview possibly, for live tv I, like I don't sweat very much <laughs> I but I did that day like when you're literally doing an audition for that it's so nerve-wracking yeah but imagine quite euphoric afterwards yeah. once you finish recording something yeah, on TV. It absolutely. must be a real high afterwards. And I love doing it. It's, for, it's a different it's a different challenge. And as we were saying actually before we started recording, once you've done an hour live TV, nothing's... Nothing phases you. Nothing phases you. <laughs> yes. like you can talk in front of anybody. Yes, yeah. And so talking about highs and lows then, what you know, which parts of the business do you absolutely love and which parts would you rather be able to outsource or you know you do but you don't love (laughs) as much I love I just love working one-to-one with clients I mean that is the core of my business and I love it because it's so rewarding and I love the relationships that I build with people and that I can make a difference I think my whole life I've craved to do something that makes a difference to people's lives and funnily enough when I decided to do personal styling I don't think I really considered what what a difference I could make I just thought oh I, I'll I'll love this because I love clothes and I love style mm. but actually the impact you make on people when you you know because quite often people come to you and they're in a crossroads in their life or they've had experiences I mean you hear people talk to you because you build that relationship with them and a lot of people have tough times or they've had challenges and to be able to kind of help them and give them that boost and have them go away feeling really good about themselves and then enjoy the clothes that they've brought for me is just is what gets me up in the mornings um, it's a bit like therapy isn't it really it is <laughs> probably well yeah I mean, crosses I, over into a bit of counseling I imagine yeah, the changing I did rooms. actually do a counseling qualification once I left my actual job after I'd had children and I feel like that that's totally come into its own now. <laughs> yes. um, in fact, I feel everything I've done, even though it's happened later in life for me, has led to this point. Yeah. And that all the experiences I've had have come have come together and created this, which is absolutely what I feel I was meant to do. Mm. I can see myself doing this for a long, long time. Yeah. So what would be your advice then to another um, woman or man who would like to kind of start their own styling business get qualified yeah <laughs> that would be the first thing to definitely do um, and you would recommend the London College of Style yeah definitely yeah. they have a variety of different courses so you can pick one that suits you that fits into what you can manage I feel that that just gives you a real head start because there's a lot of stylists out there that aren't qualified and it's not enough to just have an eye for style Because a client needs to know why something works or why something doesn't work in order for them to really take on board what you're trying to teach them. And so if I were just, if you were to try something on and I would say, I really like that, that's nice, it looks good on you. It's not enough for me to say that because you may as well take your friend shopping with you 
what a client is looking for is for me to say, that looks really great on you and I'm going to tell you exactly why that works. It's because this, this, this and this. So that actually you're cementing all of that style theory and they can start to implement that themselves. So they're learning a new skill. And is that sort of to do with the proportions of clothes and yeah. the kind of cut that would suit? Yeah. What are the other things that you're kind of looking at? Yeah, it's definitely Obviously proportion. Colour. Proportion is key. Mm. And that's around, that's why the body shape is so important because once you understand what body shape you are, you can then put that into proportion. Because a lot of people, a lot of body shapes are out of proportion. For example, a pear shape on a woman is bigger on the bottom half than it is on the top half. So it's about balancing that out and using mm-hmm. clothes as a way to do that. It's about the right colours. It's about the right cut. It's about the right brands. Certain brands are much better for certain body shapes. It's about what your actual style is. It's about having the confidence to go out of your comfort zone a little bit, which a lot of people don't or can't do on their own. It's being suggested new things. So many times I have picked something up as a bit of a wild card and said to the client, now you may or may not like this, but I think it's worth a go. And they've given it a whirl and it's been their most favourite item that they've brought that day. And they would never in a million years have picked it up for themselves. Yeah, yeah, it's magic. It's the confidence, isn't it? Yeah. So if you were starting a business today uh, from scratch, like you did three years ago, what would you do differently, do you think? Is there anything that you have, any mistakes perhaps that you've learned from? Do you know what? You, you sent this question to me beforehand and I had a chance to ponder on it and I don't think I would do anything differently. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good thing. <laughs> I, I, I honestly felt like it was a really nice mix of me pushing myself forward, but also letting things organically grow. Mm-hmm. I think I probably could have been slightly more confident to start off with. I had imposter syndrome a lot at the start. Yeah, I just kind of winged it <laughs> um, and felt that I was winging it. But of course, the I think interesting... everyone feels like that. <laughs> well, but the interesting thing is, is you're not winging it because of course you know so much more than anybody else. Yeah, but you feel like you're winging it. Imposter syndrome is just—it's the weirdest thing. Yes, yeah. But then you know, you're conf- if you just started off with more confidence, then. I don't know. I don't know whether or not there would have been a different path or things might have happened sooner. I don't know. But I really quite like the way things have happened. And I like the way things have organically grown and new opportunities have come up. And It's grown pretty quickly for you, though. Three years is a short time, really, to have yeah. trained and to start a, a brand new business, um, essentially from the kitchen table, really. Yeah. And you've had great success really quite quickly. What would you put that down to? I think I was very clear from the start about what kind of stylist I was. So I can say in a very short amount of words exactly who I am and what my kind of philosophy is, which is around kind of buying less but buying better, quality over quantity, filling those gaps in your wardrobe to make it much easier to create outfits together. And you know, spending the time with somebody to really make an impact. I know, you know, three, I only see one client a day. So I feel like that is enough for me. I want to give everything to that client. And I just feel like if I was to pack in clients, it would just, I'd just be exhausted. Yeah, it dilutes what you're able to give, doesn't it? It definitely dilutes Mm. that. And service, the kind of a very high quality service seems to be one of your, um, one of the sort of things that you're known for, I think. I wanted it to be, professional I wanted it to be high quality 
I wanted to stand out with the little gestures and the little details that I've always put into my business. And I, I grow that all the time and come up like last year, I did a collaboration with a friend of mine who writes poems, brilliant, brilliant poems, like just so beautifully written, always jealous of how she can use words in such a great way. Mm. And I wanted her to put something together that would I could give to clients, which would kind of just express the relationship and the gratitude I had that they trusted me and that we were able to work together and how styling often gives people a new lease of life to express themselves in a way that they've not done before. So she came up with a brilliant poem that I now give to clients oh, after our amazing. sessions. But it's little touches like that that I think make all the difference and make people remember you. And word of mouth has been one of my the biggest ways in which my business has grown. Mm. And I think right from the start, if you make that impression on people, then the word of mouth just grows quite quickly. Mm. And you said a minute ago that you were quite keen or you, you, you're quite comfortable knowing the kind of stylist that you wanted to be. Yeah. And you said there were different types of stylists. So what were the, what are the kind of key differences? If somebody out there is looking for a stylist, perhaps, yeah. what, what are those, those differences? So, for example, there are stylists that might have shorter sessions focusing more on kind of the lower end of the high street brands. I would say that I'm a stylist that always gives that three hours to each client and works mostly on the higher end of the high street, not designer, but higher end of the high street, because Mm -hmm. I feel like those are the better places to buy your capsule wardrobe from. And I encourage clients to invest in certain key pieces because I feel that they will get much more wear and much more enjoyment out of wearing things. So for denim, for example... I will always encourage a client to spend as much as they can on denim because I feel that the differences are quite stark and they will have a pair. What I would always have just one pair of amazing jeans over six or seven pairs of cheaper jeans that aren't Mm. quite right for one reason or another. And it's much more sustainable, isn't it? And obviously fashion has a bit of a bad rap for being fast fashion and a bit too throwaway perhaps exactly but it sounds like you're coming at it from a much more sustainable yeah. mindset sustainability is important to me I do think that people if they're careful in what they pick and choose they don't need to buy so much I'm working with a few sustainable brands and doing events around sort of promoting sustainable options as well and that that I think that has to be something that develops and will develop further and for me as a stylist it's an area in which this this year was one of my goals to kind of work a bit more on. Mm. And you said that to me before we recorded, you said that you're doing an event that's a sort of recycling of fashion yeah, type basically, event. basically, yeah. yeah. Sort of selling pre-loved clothes, so there's stalls there. Yeah. And I'm going to be the kind of stylist that helps people to pick and choose. I mean, there's definitely some tips on shopping that I can share for pre-loved clothing which is very different to shopping in a shop a normal give us shop. your tips we all need to know <laughs> <laughs> well I think you have to be open to not quite finding exactly what you were looking for but at the same time having a bit of a priority list right so having a list of the things that you're you're keen to find but having a slightly open mind as well if that makes sense mm-hmm. I think if you don't go with a bit of a plan you'll end up with all sorts <laughs> <laughs> not necessarily the um the right things I think you need to try on if you can because you can't return. Yeah. And I think you need to think around alterations. To I was going to say tailoring. Is that something you would recommend? Yeah, 100%. Yes. I, I recommend it for off-the-peg clothes in shops. 
Yeah. A lot of people won't find something to fit perfectly off the shop floor. Mm-hmm. And that actually a little bit of tailoring can make all of the difference mm. um, with with how something fits. But in particular with a pre-loved shop, that's definitely what you need to be thinking about. Okay. And so what what should we be buying now? Give us, I mean, give us some more of your style, style knowledge. What's the sort of hot item that you'd recommend? Obviously you said denim we should spend yeah. as much as we can on, but are there any things that we could do to to update our wardrobes now? So trend, trends. Mm. So trends are interesting because they don't work for everyone, but there's one particular trend that I, that is being hanging around for a while that I quite love. And it's um, like a puffed shoulder kind of top. You've probably seen yes, that some in the shop. Your, yeah, I've seen your I'm, photos. I'm, and... a, I'm a bit of a lover yes. of those. I've gone a bit wacky with mine. They've gone really <laughs> big. Um, but I really like, actually, if you, if, you're, if you do it in the right way, it can actually make, it can actually work really well for body shape. So if you put a little, so for example, you put a little bit of structure and poof on the shoulder and then nip yourself in at the waist, it can actually make your, sh- your waist look smaller. Because yeah. if you imagine you're slightly wider on the shoulder and then you're smaller on the waist. But if you're already quite broad on the shoulder, I wouldn't. that then makes you look like an American football player. <laughs> <So> <laughs> Not a, a good fine, look. There's a fine line. Um, <laughs> but it is quite a trend that I, qu- I quite like. I was way ahead of the trend, by the way, I have to say. I bought, <laughs> I bought a puff sleeve denim jacket from Zara about four years ago. And last year when the puff sleeve thing sort of came came out in force everyone was like where did you get that denim jacket well like three years ago (laughs) so ahead of the trend but also another trend that isn't going anywhere sort of that athleisure wear that's becoming more smarter it's kind of mixing smart and casual Mm -hmm. that kind of look is really fun wearing trainers with anything so if you get yourself this isn't trainers you wear to the gym by the way this is the smarter any brands trainer. there that we should be looking at? Do you know what? There's a there's an amazing brand that I love who is actually a similar story to mine as a female entrepreneur startup. She's done so well for herself and makes the most amazing footwear and trainers specifically. It's called Air and Grace. Um, you should check them out. They do very comfortable trainers with really cool designs and at a very mm. good price point as well. Air and Grace, right. We'll all be noting that down, <laughs> running off and having a look. Definitely. And the thing that I really learned as well when we did our wardrobe edit was what you've just said about nipping in at the waist and wearing something tucked in. Tucked um, in, And yeah. perhaps, you know, bringing your waist in with a belt, yeah. that kind of thing, which can feel a bit scary if you're not used to doing yeah, that, but yeah. it does make a big difference. I mean, tucking... It's life-changing. <laughs> it, will, it is the simplest thing to do, but it can make a huge difference. Even a little French tuck. You, do you know what a French tuck is? That is that the front half little tuck? F- half front at the tuck. Oh, yeah, half, <laughs> half tuck at the front. The reason it makes such a difference is because no, on most women, the waist is the smallest part. And so by going oversized or not really emphasising that, you are hiding your slimmest bit. And so... Even if it feels a little bit scary to show off your kind of hips and your bum, once you understand why it looks better, it becomes a whole lot easier. And it's one of the biggest things that women do. They hide, they cover up and hide. Men do it quite a lot as well. People buy sizes too big for themselves. I had a client on Saturday who was buying two sizes too big for herself. Wow. So she lost two dress sizes in one day. I mean, there's no better that's, way to come, to come style. That's worth, worth the money just there, I mean, the best diet ever. She was consistently two sizes smaller in every shop that we went into. Is that because 
you know, we're, we're hiding, we're yeah. trying to hide the bits we don't like, but yeah. by doing so, we're actually making ourselves overall look bigger, would you say? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I know there's, you know, there's a, there's a time and a place for comfort and oversized and all of that. But actually, if you want to maximise your silhouette in the majority of cases, not for everyone, but majority of cases, showing off a little bit more of your shape is much more flattering. And I don't mean skin tight dresses or tops I just mean having something with a bit of shape in it Mm. that it makes all the difference and you talked about the kind of capsule wardrobe idea yeah which I think is something we all aspire to (laughs) I know I do essential (laughs) yeah what are those items that you think that every woman should really have in her wardrobe that we should all be looking to own really so for me I think footwear is important so many times people put an outfit together and then go, oh, I don't have the shoes. That's me. <laughs> I do that. <laughs> it stops you from wearing your clothes if you don't yep. have the right shoes. So I would say a good pair of like smart trainers because that can go with anything. A pair of ankle boots. For One question of- on the trainer front. This yeah. is a personal question, really. Socks. What do you do about socks if you've got white, like a pair of white sort of air and grace yeah. sneakers, really, aren't they? Then, you know, if you're not wearing tights, you do you wear socks. you wear little ankle socks yeah. and no, hide little, um, them? Trainer liners, the ones that you can't see. Yeah, right, yeah. got it. You need to get yourself those. <laughs> I always find they slip down though. Any yeah. good, any good well, brands or yes, <laughs> or yeah, there's M&S. a bit of trial and error with that. But some of the sports shops, like Sweaty Betty and Lululemon, they do some really good ones that stay put. Right. Yes. Um, okay. But yeah, I you definitely need a few of those because it's quite nice to have your ankle on show certainly in the springtime and the autumn time, if you're wearing mm-hmm. trousers. Um, and what about the kind of glittery socks that I'm seeing everywhere? Is that something that's really, you know, the sparkly different socks? Yeah. Is that something more for the kids? Or no, you can definitely Could we do that. rock a sparkly sock? Could, I'll tell you what looks really good with a sparkly sock is a sort of platform open-toed sandal. So if you have a little ankle sock that's sparkly and then you put it with, it's a kind of geeky look, but it's really quite cool. So that's something you can experiment with and have a bit of fun with. <laughs> right. Um, anyway, we were going capsule wardrobe. Yes, yeah. capsule wardrobe. So um, trainers, ankle boots and some some nice flat shoes that are good for kind of walking around in or working in. I tend to recommend going for something with more of a pointy toe than a round toe because I feel that is much more elongating and flattering on the leg. A, a, a round toe, I feel just is a bit stubby. It kind of doesn't... Bit mumsy, a bit mumsy, yes. Yeah. I like saying that word, but it's true. <laughs> and then I think jackets are really key. Having a selection of jackets, not just one or two, is good because actually, when you need another layer, you don't want to be going for your cardigans, which are actually really hard to style. They have had a little bit of a moment, cardigans, but in general, you can get it quite wrong with a cardigan. It can kind of really that can make you look quite mumsy throwing on a cardigan. But a structured jacket is much a much better look. And you can smarten up an outfit really easily by putting on a smart a smart jacket. Denim, we've talked about this, and investing what you can in denim to get the best denim because it's a capsule for most people. Having link tops, and by that I mean just your plain good t-shirts and vests that allow oh, you the to vests. create. <laughs> yeah, well, that but, was a life-changing moment for me yeah, when we yeah. discussed vests, actually, and I've worn a vest. And this is really embarrassing, but I have one of us pretty much every day since then, <laughs> other than high summer. Yeah, exactly. Vests <laughs> are great because they create a more seamless line underneath your clothes. If you tuck them into like your knickers, 
you have a seamless line under, underneath and when and that's the foundation of your outfit so underwear is really really important did you see that I got my bra fitted a few weeks ago <laughs> I did. and I hadn't done I hadn't done this for so long and I recommend it to all my clients and I was like oh when did I last do it and I couldn't remember and I'd been wearing obviously been wearing the wrong bra size everyone <laughs> wears the wrong bra size so yes. doing that on a regular basis is really key but yeah vests vests help to kind of just layer up and it also means if you're going slightly shorter on your tops you're not exposing anything if you put your arm up or something comes untucked it just is much more you have much more confidence, confidence I think. Yeah. yeah. And, and certainly for me I'm obviously when I'm doing photography I was sort of explaining to you that I don't feel confident wearing shorter things or things that are sort of hitting the waist yeah. because of that if I'm yeah. bending down or leaning over but actually having a, a vest and they are just the very very basic. reasonable basic yeah. M&S ones exactly. with a little bit of lace around the top that are quite long in length that yeah. tuck into the jeans and that's just opened up the wardrobe so Perfect. amazing <laughs> love a vest in our house <laughs> and big knickers <laughs> yes <laughs> of course so are there any other kind of tips I mean is that the capsule wardrobe would you say or yeah we pretty much um I mean obviously there's bits in the capsule wardrobe where you really should it's about you your personal style like having that personality come through so maybe a statement coat or a statement skirt or something like that um, a good pair of black trousers or navy trousers is really good to have. What length should we be looking for? Are we looking at kind of something that hits it, the ankle? Yeah, or? Well, I think it depends on you and your style and what shoes you like to wear. So it's a personal choice, but I quite like a kind of ankle length straight leg trouser. Mm-hmm. I find that's quite chic. I like showing off my shoes and a bit of ankle. I find that's good on the leg. Any particular brands that you'd recommend? Actually, do you know what? J. Crew who is an American brand, they have a couple of shops in London. They do a great trouser called the Cameron Pants. Of course, that's Cameron, Cameron Trouser in English. Right. <laughs> they call it the Cameron Pants. And it's worked so well for so many of my clients. It's a very, it's a sculpted sort of straight leg, but it's quite thick. So it's very flattering. And it does just work for a lot of people. Okay. And in terms of the sort of the rise on a pair of jeans or a pair of trousers yeah we high rise is that still a um, thing or mid to high rise is i wouldn't advise anybody my age going too low it's just <laughs> most people don't really have the you know the body shape for it and it's just better to have a little bit more support yeah and actually have the the the, the waist of your trousers actually sort of sit more or less on your waist because mm-hmm. that's of course where you're gonna your tops should end yeah high rise is good for certain body shapes sometimes it doesn't sometimes it doesn't work quite as well because if you have something too high and it digs in they can create a bit of a pouch yeah in the tummy area which isn't as flattering so mid-rise is probably your safest bet but it's about trial and error and trying things on certain brands will be have different denim different fabric different stretch different do you have a sort of certain range of brands that would be your go-to that you'd kind of recommend people look at first for denim for denim yeah page page okay yeah that's my number one brand denim okay. brand right now is there a particular style the sarah slim the sarah slim is, page. is a high-rise <laughs> straight legs sort or of slim boyfriend shape that has been really really good for clients okay yeah and they do it in a range of different sort of colors and washes mm. but um that's worked really well 
good to know. Thank you. I should be Googling that later. <laughs> Where Can we get that online? You're getting all my tips I am. today. Um, yes, yeah, Selfridges sell, sell it. Sometimes they have it in stock. Sometimes they don't. they don't. It's very popular shape. So what's coming up next then for you and fine styling? And, you know, I know you're doing a retreat. Yes. Have you got some more TV work lined up? And um, I'd like to grow that side of things, whether it's me on screen or me styling for TV. I quite like the idea of that. I think the difficulty in working in that industry is that it's harder to juggle around the children because you are you're at somebody else's schedule rather yes. than fitting people into your own. So that's always been the challenge for me with working in that industry and also with editorial styling as well, where you're doing shoots. But ultimately, personal styling for me is will always be my first love and I'll just want to continue growing that um, and that for that to be my bread and butter with what I do. I've, I've started to work a little bit with some brands. I work with a French brand called Bash, who I love working with. The reason I love working with them and I approached them in the first instance was because... I feel like everything in their store is my style. They literally are my style, the whole shop. And I feel like that is really important when you choose to work with brands. They have to represent you because then it's otherwise it's not authentic. Yes. Yeah. So I don't want to work with a load of brands, but I'm happy. I'd love, you know, I like the working in partnership with people and then we'll pick and choose who I work with carefully. But it's quite it's really nice. I do events with them and it's nice to be able to invite my clients and my network to something additional, which offers them, you know, a bit of extra styling on the night with the brand that I love. And if I love it, most of my clients love it too, because of course they like my style. Yeah. So that was of... a brand that you introduced me to actually, because you invited me to one of your styling evenings and I couldn't make it. Yeah. And then the following week I was in London and saw the shop and dashed and in too. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I loved everything as well. Yeah. And since then I've actually seen several of my friends wearing things and I can recognize because yeah. they have such amazing fabrics, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really beautiful fabrics. And I've been sort of ooing and ahhing over things that people have been wearing. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's a beautiful brand. Yeah, um, very nice. So yeah, I think just developing my relationships, the, the retreat in Ibiza is a dream come true. Tell me about that. It sounds so exciting. Oh my God, it's amazing. So just me with two other women locally, a, a yoga teacher called Jess and a nutritionist called Naomi. We just kind of got together and thought that actually together we could we could actually put you know have, create a really ma- amazing magical retreat together, which is, kind of gives women a bit of a three sixty because of all the different things that we can offer between us. Mm-hmm. I was just planning out the schedule this morning, actually. It's, Is it fully coming. Oh, it's There's one space left. Oh, you have to be quick. So, um, <laughs> which has been amazing, because we've kind of pitched it more luxury, I suppose, because I think that's where we all want to... That's the kind of... Just follows with my brand and sits better with me to offer something like that where is it gonna be held it's in a beautiful place i saw some photos yeah, so it's an amazing <laughs> ibiza. villa in ibiza yeah and so how long ibiza is it gonna i be? love and to be working there is literally a dream come true it's like i can't believe i've actually made this happen for myself i've manifested it but um so it's four nights five days fantastic at the beginning of may oh lovely so yeah you need to follow me on my social media and see all of that that will be documenting that for sure yeah and hopefully you'll do another one and people can (laughs) jump onto the next one if it goes well and i hope it will then it'll be the first of many 
And you said about manifesting. Is that something you actually believe in? Do you do yeah. vision boards and do you, you know, sort of chant things to yourself? Or? No, I don't chant. <laughs> I've never done that. But I did do a vision board, not this year, but last year. And actually, I still have it on my desk. It's still valid. Yeah. Um, I do believe that you can make things happen for yourself. It's just about working out a route and being brave. Yeah. I've become much, much braver at talking to people and asking people and putting myself out there. So, for example, I got to know a journalist recently who was doing an an article for something else, but I got recommended as a stylist to talk to. And I had a small piece about what I was, it was about sustainability and fashion. And she featured me, a small bit of me, of what I said in the article um, but but we spoke on the phone and I really connected with her. I just felt there was a kind of connection and we now follow each other on social media. And I just messaged her and said, if ever you want styling and you think you can write an article on it, you know, please come back to me and I'd love to work with you. I just feel like we have this connection and we could work together. Mm. And she's like, oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Yes, yes, I'll try and make that happen. And whilst it might not happen in the immediate future, I've got a feeling that there'll just be an opportunity that... Uh, comes up and I've sown the seed now yeah you're front of mind then aren't you exactly but I you know it takes it's brave yes to say that to somebody to say oh there's me can I put yourself forward yes yeah for that sort of thing but I feel much better about doing that now and it doesn't seem to I don't feel I just feel like you've got to go for it Um, it's a confidence thing isn't it really it's having the confidence to yeah to be able to do that and that comes with probably experience yeah having done it for a while now definitely um and feeling good about yourself yeah and like you say you know feeling good in your clothes and knowing that you know you're presenting the best sort of version of yourself when yeah. you meet somebody exactly. um and I suppose that's something that you're doing for your clients all the time isn't it you're helping them to present the, the best version and feel the best about themselves yeah 100 percent. yeah I love hearing stories from my clients when they report back and tell me all the amazing things that have happened since they've got styled and they think it's it's luck and it's, <laughs> it's not it's about being it's about opening yourself up to new opportunities and we do it in such a subtle way but but being confident in your clothes and even just walking with your head up rather than your head down means that you are people will find you much more approachable and things start happening when you feel happy and comfortable and confident and clothing is a big part of that and it's like it just is the start of making amazing things happen for you. I really believe that. Mm. Thank you. So a good place to wrap up there. Mm-hmm. Um, so how can people reach you if they want to find out a bit more, perhaps they're interested in some styling? Obviously, I know you're on Instagram and yep. so social my, media. My Instagram is at Stylist Fleur. Quite easy to remember. Stylist Fleur. Right, I'll put all the notes in the you know, do our show notes. <laughs> and my website is www.finestyling.co.uk, which is the name of my business. Okay, so you can check great. out my my um, my services on there. And we'll have a look at your retreat coming up and follow that with yeah, interest. Yeah, definitely. Anything definitely. else coming up that we should know about? <laughs> um, things come up that you just wouldn't predict. So Watch I'm, I'm sure there will be amazing things this year that happen. <laughs> keep that vision board front yeah, and center <laughs> oh well, thank you very much oh, for talking to you. us for really taking the it. time thank you